Welcome to the Tamron Learning Podcast, where host Dr. Kirby Ross-Plock speaks with experts on many topics relevant in the ultra-high net worth family wealth management space. Kirby is author of several books, including The Complete Family Office Handbook, and shares her expertise consulting with families and family offices. Kirby is also the founder of Tamarind Learning, an online wealth education platform that develops practical, foundational learning programs for beneficiaries to help them prepare for responsible stewardship of wealth. Welcome to the Tamarind Learning Podcast. I am Dr. Kirby Rosbach, your host, and today we are talking with Patricia Angus about the trustee primer. This is an excellent resource I can tell you because I've loved mine dearly. Um, Patricia is a recovering practicing attorney, so she had a long career as a trust and estates attorney and working throughout the wealth advisory space. She is today doing, continuing to do a lot of consulting and advisory to affluent families, beneficiaries, wealth advisors, trustees, and she's also an adjunct professor at Columbia University, and she holds many other hats as well. She's the managing director of the Global Family Enterprise Program, and she's also the faculty director of the Enterprising Family Executive Education Program. Lots of titles. So Patricia, we are so happy to have you here today. We're so excited to talk to you about the trustee Primer. This is just one of my favorite resources. I'm going to show it again because it's so great. Um, but maybe you can tell me, tell me and the audience, everyone listening in today, why did you write this book? What was the motivation? And you know, who who do you feel like is most likely to read it besides me? Well, I'm glad that someone is reading it. So thank you, Kirby. I'm glad to see that. And I love that you also put post-it notes in your books just like I do. That's uh, my way of guiding myself back through yeah. it. Um, why did I write it? You know, there's plenty of other things that I'm doing in my life, right? Um, so many years ago, more than a decade ago, uh, I saw something on the horizon that I started calling the perfect storm. And what was I seeing? I had been a trust and estates lawyer. I'd been working in wealth advisory work and I was working with family offices and families. And what I saw was that the number of trusts set up in the US and around the world was going up exponentially. The complexity of assets in the trusts was going up dramatically. This wasn't just bank accounts anymore. It was hedge funds, it was illiquid assets, it was venture capital, it was uh, family businesses, artwork going into trusts. And I also saw in the sort of institutional side, a reduction of an emphasis on trust business as being something separate from the investment business. So there's sort of this convergence and everything swirling around. I also saw that there were beneficiaries who were going to be new to trusts in families that had never had them before. In addition, there was an increasing trend towards naming individual trustees. Families wanted to keep control over their assets. They wanted to have somebody they trusted or in their family office or their lawyer, their advisor, their accountant, their aunt, their uncle be the trustee. So you had a heck of a lot of new trustees who didn't know what to do about it. And they had a much more complexity than before. So I wrote it basically for these individual trustees or trustees who are working with family offices, you know, supported by a family office to help them get up to speed fast. Because the day you become a trustee, the day your liability begins, the day your responsibility begins. And I can't tell you how often I would speak to people three years in and they hadn't even read the trust agreement yet. So I wanted them to say, get your trust agreement, know what the responsibilities are and have a framework around what you're doing. 
it's intangible. Trusts are intangible. And I wanted to make it a bit more manageable for new trustees. Well, especially if you're not cut right from the trust and estate planning cloth, or maybe you're, you're not reading legal documents on a regular basis. I mean, being put into that role um, can probably be just as overwhelming as being born into or becoming a beneficiary and not really necessarily knowing your relationship. Maybe you can just jump in and hit some key highlights that you pick up on in the primer that help our listeners to sort of think about, okay, this is really interesting. This applies to me. You've just already planted the seed for one of the big highlights. Even if you are a trust and estates lawyer, even if you spent all your time in law school reading every document known to humankind, and you may even have an LLM in tax, which is the master's for those nerds who want to go beyond law school to learn even more about it. Trusts have such a heavy emotional component to them. It's not the kind of stuff you learn in law school, just to, just to put it out there. And not every lawyer, not every trust lawyer understands how to work with beneficiaries. So one of the highlights in the book is how to think about the relationship aspect of it. How to think about who am I as a trustee? What am I good at? Who is this beneficiary whose life I am here to support? Okay, I am not here just to write a check and I'm not here just to be the gatekeeper from some funds that were set up generations ago. Mm -hmm. What is the relationship I'm setting up with this person so I can mentor them, I can support them and I can enhance their life experience. That's a highlight in it. And I asked some questions of the trustees for themselves and also in connection with the, with the beneficiary in it. That's number one. Another highlight is the big picture, okay? You can get lost in a trust document. What do you really need to know about being a trustee? There are three fundamental roles. One is administration, okay? There are plenty of people who become trustees who don't have very organized files, let's just be honest. <laughs> but you've got to change all the title and you have to keep track of it and you have to create accountings and you have to make sure that you can be accountable for what you've done. Thinking about administration, if you're responsible for that. Thinking about investments, okay? Thanks to what's called the prudent investor rule, you don't have to pick every stock. You don't have to figure out what the best investment is in the world, but you have to oversee the whole portfolio. You have to monitor whoever you've hired from the outside. And then you have to make sure you've done that in a professional way without violating any of the duties of care and loyalty and all of that. And then the third is distribution, okay? So if you are a traditional trustee who still has all three roles, and granted there are probably many people who are listening to this podcast or watching this podcast, who uh, may have a trust that has divided the roles, but you can't get rid of the roles. No matter whether you have one trustee or three trustees or whatever, there's a role of distribution and distribution is quite complicated, um, whether it's you know sort of making a, an annual payment of income or, or deciding every now and then to distribute out. Well, I'm so thankful that you just gave us the cliff notes of already a cliff noted um, awesome summary because I think that's really going to key us in as listeners and when we read your book, obviously I've read it a million times, but um, I love that you boil it down and make it super succinct. And I just want to also emphasize um, that you actually share about the role of the trustee in a way that maybe not all trustees think about. I mean, I, I appreciate that you put a huge emphasis about that human component, about actually connecting. I mean, how many trustees have I experienced personally in my life where 
I don't even know the face of the corporate trustee, right? Or I don't even know, um, you know, there's, there's so many examples. So I really like that you humanize the role of the trustee and you make an emphasis about the relationship because I, I can't stress that enough. I think that's so much of the success of a beneficiary is really in the hands of the trustee. Um, how active, how much they know their you know, beneficiary, how involved they are with the oversight of the trust. So I'm glad that you created this resource because it reiterates so many important fundamental things that just don't get talked about, um, to be honest, in our space. So thank you. Um, like to this point about the trustee though, let's talk a little bit about some of the challenges. Um, Cause I think there's some real critical challenges that trustees face and maybe we aren't always so open and honest about how challenging this role can really be. Can you give us your insights on, on the challenges? Yeah, you know, Kirby, it's hard to say no when somebody asks you to be a trustee. It is, it is something that feels like such an honor. I mean, if you asked me to be trustee of your children, I would think really seriously about that because you are entrusting their welfare in somebody, whether it's whether you, we were sisters or I were your lawyer or whatever. So thinking long and hard about that role that you're gonna take on, I think is one of the greatest challenges is really to think about, can you live this role in a way that you are looking out for the best interest of another person at all times. Uh, it's almost beyond being a parent. So that, that's one thing is, uh, is this a role you wanna take on? Secondly, one of the challenges that I see is if a trust gives the trustee discretion over distributions, and this is a trend that has been going on when I talked about the perfect storm, part of the perfect storm is that Trust 25, 30 years ago, when I was writing them and when we were all writing them, it would very often say one third goes out at 25, one half goes at 30, and everything goes at 35. And it was pretty easy. The trustee would sort of coast along to 25, and then they'd write a distribution check, and then they 30, they write a distribution check. Today, very often, trusts will say distributions can be made to the beneficiary in the trustee's sole discretion. Or can be made for health, education, maintenance, and support, or for education, whatever. If you're a trustee and you have any discretion, you need to figure out pretty early on what process you're going to follow to figure out how to exercise your discretion over it. And I think some of the factors that go in, and I'm not gonna tell everybody how they have to do it because it's part art, part science. What's the size of the trust? What's the magnitude of the distribution versus the size? How is the trust currently invested and how will this distribution impact it? What's the beneficiary's current situation? Okay, if they're 15 years old and they're asking you for a million dollars out of their $5 million uh, trust, that seems pretty high for a 15 year old. What are they gonna use it for? <laughs> now I know there's a lot of really high tech young people these days and maybe they're gonna create a new business and be the next Amazon. It might be a good distribution, but do they have the qualifications for it? Is this really somebody who's going to go to the next level with it? So having some sense of what the purpose of the distribution is, is really important. Will it help that beneficiary or will they make the beneficiary become more dependent mm -hmm. on the trust for the rest of their lives? And that's where, you know, trusts are fabulous. They create asset protection for people. There's tax benefits to it. There's a way to keep 
professional advisors in your life. I mean, how wonderful to have somebody help you invest or if you're a co-trustee with them and to learn from them at their side. But one of the worst things you could do is get distributions from a trust before you're ready for it. And I have seen too many of those examples. So as a trustee, really before you make that first distribution, figure out what are some of the criteria for a good distribution. And it's not just your whim. I had a call recently where uh, one of the questions was, can't the trustee do whatever they please? And that is just not true. There are centuries worth of laws that will guide what a trustee can do. Even in the most broadly written discretionary trust, there are still some limitations as to what the rules are. So as a trustee, you really have to think long and hard about that one as well. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad you bring the cautionary tales and I'm sure if we wanted to geek out with case law and trust law, we could um, share more about the war stories. I mean, there's a lot in the papers and, and the you know public record about um, trustees being sued and for all different, you know, credible reasons. And so, I mean, it is really, the bar is pretty high. And I, I, I'm really thankful that you emphasize um, the liability aspects that when you assume this kind of fiduciary duty, you're taking on. And, and it's just really important that you understand so that you can adequately prepare the beneficiary for that expectation as well. I mean, it's your job too, to help them understand what the relationship really is um, because not every beneficiary is going to know just because they become a beneficiary. So no. And I think often beneficiaries feel as though the trustee is making uh, mercurial decisions that are really just the, the trustee's whim. But in fact, no trustee should ever just make a decision without thinking about what's the framework, what's the purpose of the trust, will this benefit the beneficiary? And honestly, all of those sad stories of you know, litigation, done well, there should never be a reason to have to go to litigation when it comes to a trust. If a trustee genuinely spends the time to figure out what their role is, what the purpose is, and how to do it, and develops a relationship with a beneficiary that's more akin to a partnership than a subsidiary, you know, subservient kind of role, um, then, then I think you have a great chance of having a wonderful time together. Yeah, and I mean, just to close, the I think the last question just on the front of selecting a trustee or how do you choose a trustee? Because I also don't wanna leave this podcast um, the impression that if you're not a technician, if you're not a trust and estates mm -hmm. advisor or professional that, oh, I shouldn't you know, step up to the role of trustee. I mean, I think there's a lot of really excellent trustees out there that might come from different backgrounds. And so what are some of the criteria that you think are critical or even the process in selecting a trustee? I think you use the right word process. Um, very often people, you know, look, when I was a trust and estates lawyer, people were scared to come to our office <laughs> because they're talking about their own mortality. They have to sign documents with words that they haven't seen since they took Latin. And most of them didn't take Latin, so they've never seen them before. And it's, it's a scary moment in your life to have to have to sign away things in a trust. So choosing a trustee seems easy. I'll choose my brother. I'll choose my aunt. I'll choose you. Okay. I'll choose my wife. I'll choose my husband. Slow down the process, okay? Slow down and say, what's the purpose of the trust? 
What are some of the characteristics of a trustee that I'm looking for? If the trustee has to do everything, administer, invest, and distribute, do they have the capacity to do that? Do they have the skill set? You might need co-trustees. You might have somebody who is so emotionally intelligent that they will be able to figure out whether a distribution is good for your beneficiary or not in a nanosecond. And you team them up with somebody who's going to know, okay, what's the best new investment that's going to work for long-term growth or short-term uh, income? And maybe one of them has a great back office to do the administration. You might need those two co-trustees. So don't tie yourself into starting with a person before making a decision. So it's not about personality. Don't um, bring in somebody without having thought, do these qualifications exist in this person? And is it the right role for them in this environment? Mm -hmm. So it may be that they're too close to the beneficiary. Mm -hmm. They just might be emotionally too close. And that's okay. They're just, they might be excellent investors. Either you just have them on the investment side, but you don't have them on the distribution side. They may be wonderfully intuitive, but really don't understand the investment world. They may be fabulous on the distribution committee, but maybe not necessarily being in charge of investing. So thinking about the characteristics and the role before the person, as opposed to, oh my God, I have to sign this document. And, you know, what's your middle name? You know, talking, calling up somebody as, as you're in the lawyer's office. That's not a good way to do it. So, yeah. um, and, and, and finding somebody who wants to rise to this occasion. It is such an honor to be asked to be a trustee that I, I think it's um, having somebody who wants to do it. I think that's so important too. But I love that you talk about um, process over just picking a name or a person. And really thinking about the context, I think that those are brilliant insights also about the environment that you're asking them to step up in. Um, and just they're existing, if they have a pre-existing relationship with the beneficiary, what does that look like? And would that serve or maybe be a disservice if they now step into that fiduciary hat? So for any new trustees in the universe or any old trustees, again, I highly encourage um, Patricia Angus's book, The Trustee Primer, you can tell by my bent pages and my earmarked um, pages that I've, I've used it and I approve it and I love it and I think it's very, very valuable. So I am very thankful to have you here today, Patricia. You are a luminary. Thank you for sharing your wisdom on the Terman Learning Podcast and we hope to have you back soon again. So with that, we will make a wrap. Thanks so much, Kirby.